Thrive, the Eastern Health Junior Doctors Medical Education Podcast. Thrive is brought to you by a team of junior doctors asking great questions and producing essential education. In 2022, we're excited to bring you more content and help you become a more confident, capable doctor. I'm Emma, an ED physician and supervisor of junior doctor training at Eastern Health, and I love seeing junior doctors grow. So let's jump right in. Hi everyone, I'm Tasha, a basic physician trainee at Eastern Health, and I'm excited to talk to some of our amazing senior doctors to discuss more specialty medicine. Just to give you guys a bit of an update, I recently commenced a rotation on the haematology oncology ward, which often means I have to directly liaise with my haematology registrars for advice on things ranging from pancytopenia to myelodysplasia. But like many other medical specialties, haematology referrals can be challenging, and I'll be honest, I'm probably not the best at them. Providing a succinct, well-structured referral requires practice and maybe a little bit of assistance from our Box Hill Hematology Advanced Trainee, Dr. Meena Nagarithanam. All right, Meena, I'm going to be real with you. I've been wanting to ask a hematology registrar this for so long, but how do I do a good referral to my hematology colleagues? I sometimes just feel like I've given too much information or sometimes not enough information. I'm rushing because I feel like I've annoyed the hematology registrar on the other end of the phone. So please tell us, how do we make sure the hematology referrals are up to scratch? That's a good question. So I think like with um, any other referrals, I think it's important to have pertinent pieces of information ready to go, um, especially when you call the hematology registrar because um, they're usually busy seeing patients either in the ward or outpatient clinics. And um, I think it's always important to have the import, um, you know, the, the pertinent pieces of information ready. And uh, the, the most important thing would be the history of presenting complaint and the problem that the clinical question is about. So I think the first thing to um, tell the registrar is, um, look, um, I'm, I'm, I'm referring this patient to you and my main question is this, and then go on talking about what the patient's presented with. And it's always important to tell the patient's details, age most importantly, because most people forget that. And um, and also the clinical question. So talk about the clinical question early, just like any other referral, so that you know when you are talking through the history, um, the registrar can actually think about, oh, this is important. That's not important, you know. So filter it mm -hmm. as you talk as you talk through the referral. So I think the most important thing to say in the first sentence would be the history of presenting complaint and why are you referring this patient for. Okay, so when you say pertinent pieces of information, what sorts of things in the history would be relevant for a heme referral? So I think it's important to provide a summary of the patient's admission as, as to why they are admitted and the problem details and um, include the length of time of, of the problem. And this is mainly to, you know, help uh, the registrar decide whether this issue is either acute or chronic. So it's always important to talk about the timeline. And then um, what's um, important, um, especially with hematology referrals, is that, um, you know, think of the three different cell lines in the blood. So the red cells, 
the white cells and the platelets. So um, talk about whether there's features of anemia. Um, and then when it comes to white cells, talk about whether they've had recurrent infections, whether they are immunosuppressed, whether they have B symptoms. And then when you talk about platelets and the clotting um, uh, conditions, then I think it's important to talk about if they have any have a, if they've had any active bleeding or if they are on any anticoagulation, antiplatelets, or any sort of hypercoagulable tendencies or disorders. So always think of these three lines, especially when you make the hematology when you make a hematology referral. And then always talk about how ill the patient is, whether they are acutely unwell, and what are the factors that have exacerbated this or improved the condition. And last but not least, I think it's very important to always look back to see whether this patient's known to the hematology unit. So it won't take too long just to open up the um, clinical patient folder, CPF, and um, just look at the previous reviews in the hematology clinic because sometimes we might miss out things that that's already been you know um, looked at and and um, treated in the past. So I think it's important to always look back to see um, what the last review have said. I mean, what the doctor in the last review have said, or, or if there's anything that needs to be followed up because we don't want to reinvent the wheel again. Yeah, and a top tip to share with all my fellow HMOs, I have discovered that clinic notes on CPF often already have summarized information about the patient's hematological or oncological issue, including when the patient was diagnosed, what treatment they're on, and how their progress has been. So that not only saves time, but it also gives the junior doctor a bit of an idea of what sorts of clinical snippets the registrar might be interested in hearing. So now that we've got the history sorted, what about examination? So I think um, always make sure that you know the patient that you're talking about. So always try and go and examine the patient. So I guess um, hematological disorders are always systemic. So their manifestations can be varied or it can involve any body part. But at the very least, always look out for, um, you know, um, issues that you can see, like, for example, um, just looking at the patient, you can see if they've got any um, evidence of petechial rash or ecchymosis, or, you know, just, just one look, you can see if they've, you know, they've been a bit uh, pale looking, and then always try and do an abdominal assessment whenever, whenever it's necessary, um, you know, to look out for, um, you know, liver enlargement or, a, you know, or a big spleen. I think it's always important to make sure that we have all this in hand just to um, allow the person on the other side, you know, make a framework of what's going on. And obviously, as part of examinations, it's also important to convey the vital signs and whether the patient is hemodynamically stable. Um, I know hematologists often get very excited about fevers. So having information on the patterns of fever, the temperature and any other associated infective or hematological signs might also be useful. Um, moving on to investigations, I remember one of my hematology consultants when I was a student once mentioned how a large proportion of the specialty is dependent on hematopathological testing to identify specific diagnoses and understand prognosis. So from your perspective, Mina, how should junior doctors present investigations? So um, when you have a patient who's anemic, I think it's always important to talk about their hemoglobin levels with their MCV and MCH, and then talk about what investigations you've done in order to um, look out for causes of anemia. So 
Um, it's important to make sure that you've got the iron studies, the hematinics, the B12, the folate, the hemolytic screen all ready to go before you even, you know, call the hematology register. I think it's important to explore these things uh, first. Um, so that's for anemia. Uh, but if you've got someone um, with who is a bit more complex with uh, either leukocytosis or leukopenia, I think it's also important to, you know, think of other things um, um, like an examination finding will be important, especially with somebody who is um, suspected to have a hematological malignancy. I think it's important to look out for um, hepatomegaly or splenomegaly. And then comes the, the third cell line, which is the platelets and the clotting factors. So um, when someone's got low platelet count, I think it's always important to make sure that's a true low uh, platelet count through thrombocytopenia. So um, always look at the blood film, look at the coagulation studies. It doesn't take a long time to order these studies. So I think it's important to have them in hand before you call the doctor um, for advice. And um, and then and then I think um, depending on what the problem is, the the hematology registrar might be able to help you. But always have this baseline test before you make the call. And what about the more specialized tests like bone marrow biopsies? So I think it depends on what uh, we are thinking of. So if you know if someone is suspected to have uh, myeloproliferative neoplasm, then I think it's important to do a few things such as JAK2 mutation um, or even um, uric acid levels, erythropoietin levels, but some of these may not be um, indicated. So I think it's always important to speak to a registrar before you order these specialized tests. And then there's also, if someone's suspected to have leukemia or lymphoma, then it's important to uh, get a bone marrow biopsy or a lymph node biopsy. Um, I think at this stage, it's important to consult the hematology team before making any further calls as uh, that would be helpful in streamlining what to do, um, depending on what the situation is. While we're on the topic of investigations, I know one of the ways I like to present my findings to the hematology registrar is based on the different cell lineages. And that helps me kind of structure the referral in my mind and structure the investigations as well. So, for example, we might start with the red blood cells. Um, Are they too high or too low? And then discuss any associated tests that might have been done to investigate this further. So, for example, you might talk about hematinics if you are discussing anemia or maybe genetic testing like JAK2 or erythropoietin levels if you're talking about polycythemia. Then there is a problem of white cell count, so are they too high or too low again? And has the patient had any previous workup for this, like fluorescence in situ hybridization or FISH or any flow cytometry? Um, If there's a problem with bleeding or abnormal clotting, then having a chat about the platelet levels and coagulation studies. And obviously, if there's a problem with any of the cell lineages, then it might be worthwhile discussing bone marrow biopsy results if it's been performed. And if there's one thing I've learned on hematology, Mina, it's that a picture can tell you a thousand words and a blood film can do just that. Yeah. So if there is a blood film result, it's always handy to know about it and present it to the registrar. I think that pretty much covers presenting investigations during hematology referrals. Can you think of any other routine or ancillary tests we might do, Mina? 
Um, not so much. Um, so um, I've talked about the, the relevant ones, mainly the full blood count, the blood film. And I think it's always important to synthesize what the problem is. So when, so when you've got the three cell lines, and if you've got a patient um, who is bicytopenic, then I think it's important to use that term um, and, and, and basically gives an idea as to what's going on instead of just saying, oh, this patient's HB is 50, the white cells one. So I guess if you give an overall synthesis of the picture of, of the patient by saying, oh, this is a patient who's had bicytopenia, um, which, which has been going on for the last three months. So, you know, just giving that sort of detail can actually help with the thinking process. So you can even, uh, or even if someone who comes in with a platelet of 10, I think it's important to say that, oh, this is a man with uh, thrombocytopenia um, who's come in with, um, you know, bleeding or whatever. So when you say these kind of things, when you use medical terms, it makes it easier to synthesize. I mean, it basically tells me that you've synthesized the problem before coming to me. So it, it also makes you look, makes it makes it easier for the person who's on the other end um, to interpret things quickly. Yeah, the synthesis part can be a little bit tricky, but I think it comes with practice, doesn't it? Yeah. And, um, oh, one thing I did want to mention was UECs. I have never completed my hematology referral without offering the renal function to the registrar. Can you tell our listeners why the renal function is so important in hematology consults? Yeah, I think um, the I think um, everyone who comes to the hospital gets a renal function test, and I think it's quite important, especially in um, several hematological disorders, which can affect renal function, can lead to acute kidney injury. But it's also important uh, because some of the medications that we use or prescribe is renally excreted, or it can even be nephrotoxic. So having a baseline renal function um, allows us to um, you know select therapies appropriately appropriately, especially if someone's coming in with, um, you know, a DVT or a PE, then it's important to know what the renal function is to choose the type of, um, you know, um, oral anticoagulant that you want to put the patient on. So I think that's that's why we normally ask uh, what the renal function is. But this is mainly to, um, to have, um, 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 you know, to decide on which sort of um, medication that need, this patient needs to be on. Sometimes um, doses may also need to be adjusted in abnormal uh, renal function. So um, this is definitely important when you um, when you refer a patient. It's important to talk about whether their renal function is normal or not. Yeah, okay. And what about risk factors? Anything in particular junior doctors should keep an eye out for in the patient's medical history or social history? Uh, yes, I think um, on the whole, it's important to talk about um, their past medical history, especially if they've had, you know, uh, previous uh, recurrent venous thromboembolism event or, you know, persistent infections in the past, persistent anemia that's been going on for a long time, or even, um, you know, telling the um, the hematology registrar that this patient is a, a patient with chronic kidney disease. I think all these would um, impact on the decision making. So it's always important to bring uh, bring up the past medical history that's relevant. Um, and um, 
Other things that might be important uh, would also be medications. So, um, you know, if you, if you call someone um, talk, um, with someone with prolonged INR, it's always important to tell them that this patient is on anticoagulation. This patient is on warfarin for this, this reason. This patient is on epixaban for this, this reason. So it's always important to know what medications they are on and what the indication is. Um, other things that would be relevant would be some of the medications can cause bone marrow suppression or even hematological disorders. So, for example, um, keflosporin can cause uh, drug-induced hemolytic anemia. And there are a lot of um, drugs which we commonly use, such as uh, Bactrim, can cause a bit of bone marrow suppression. So I think it's important to be a bit more proactive and, and look at the medication list before calling the registrar. Just to give an overall uh, view of you know what the patient is like, so that this can assist with treatment uh, decision and so on. And um, it's not very often that we discuss about family history. Sometimes it's important to know um, hematological disorder um, among the family members because some disorders may be genetic, uh, for example, thalassemia, and it follows a familial pattern of disease. So I think it's important to at least look into that before. Um, I mean, it, it's not often that we talk about family history, but this can be relevant in um, uh, a, a few different settings. And uh, last but not least, it's always important to talk about the social history because um, if uh, if we've got a patient um, with quite poor function, if they are bed bound and if they are a nursing home resident, then, um, you know, th this sort of um, information can actually allow us to make treatment decision more quickly. Um, and, um, and yeah, so we don't want to be, um, you know, investigating um, someone um, with hematological malignancy or even, even, um, um, treating disorders that can be potentially uh, be life limiting in someone who is, you know, uh, probably bed bound with poor uh, quality of life. So it's always important to talk about their functional state. Yeah, there's a surprising amount of information that can come from talking to the patient about their past medical, family and social history, isn't it? And in the social history, we can also screen for environmental and occupational exposures that predispose to malignancy, um, even radiation exposure. Sometimes um, smoking and alcohol may also be relevant. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Mina, whew, I'm feeling a little bit better about doing hematology referrals in the future. I do have to admit, every time I have spoken to you or Andrew or James over the phone, you all have been very patient, so thank you so much. And now, hopefully, you'll be receiving even more synthesized and succinct referrals from junior doctors at Eastern Health. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for Thrive. Don't forget you can access show notes for this podcast through Workplace. Log in with your Eastern Health email address and password and search for the Thrive Group. This is your education. Please get in touch and let us know how we're doing meeting your needs, ask us a question or suggest a topic you'd love to hear us cover. You may also be interested in producing a podcast with us in your area of specialty interest. It's great CV building and an excellent start in medical education. You can contact us at thrive at easternhealth.org.au We'd love to hear from you.